Good evening and welcome to Psychedelic Healing. I am your host, Sonia Cotto, nurse anesthesiologist and mental health advocate. Take you on a wonderful journey tonight, a little bit different. We are going to take a personal story and a personal experience from someone I know very well. Her name is Bonnie Salco. She is a published author and is one of my clients that I've been working with at Ketamine Wellness Clinic down here in South Florida. And she has an actually transformational story. And it's beautiful because, as you know, I have brought a few guests on that talk about the stigmas and the different problems with trying to help patients in recovery. And I have Bonnie. She actually, as her bio, she was born in the suburbs of New York City. And her only purpose when growing up was to marry a rich guy, look pretty, and lose weight. That was definitely quite a difficult burden and to carry to carry on throughout her younger life. She turned into food, drugs, alcohol, and unhealthy relationships just to fill that empty void inside of her. She ended up in a multitude of treatment centers, psych hospitals, bars, and eateries, drowning in her own misery. And at the age of 55, 51 is actually when she finally was graced with the gift of sobriety. And for those that supported her around her, really carried her through. And in 2022, she published her first book, Love Bonnie. Welcome, Bonnie. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Sonia. Oh, it's such an honor. I knew, um, you know, working with you that you had an amazing story to tell. And I'm actually very honored that I was able to read that book. And so many people should because it is such, it's so entertaining, you know, and you were just raw and very honest and really just kind of delve deep into everything that you were going through. And you don't get that very much, you know, it's always just the cover up of all the nice, pretty and, you know, nobody knows the deep, dark secrets and you literally disclosed every deep, dark secret. And it was just very therapeutic. So thank you. Thank you. I'm glad that you liked it. Oh, yes. Yes. Very entertaining, to say the least. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, kind of going through your history, if you wanted to do, you know, I kind of did your bio as far as, you know, your history growing up. But if you wanted to touch really on, you know, going in through your journey, you know, until you became went in through into sobriety, you really never thought about psychedelics. What was your, I guess, what was your, I guess, issue with psychedelics or, you know, ketamine and to, to try this treatment for mental health? My issue was because I'm sober now 12 years plus, you know, it's it's ingrained in, in 12-step communities pretty much that, you know, we don't take a drink or a drug and we live life on life's terms. And I happen to be one of those people that have had mental crazy issues my whole life. And I have taken a lot of different psych meds and different medications that made me sick and that didn't work and that made me even crazier. And But yet I never really thought of that as a medication, as a drug, because they were prescribed by a, a psychiatrist. And my mentor in my 12-step program always knew what I was doing. So it wasn't a secret. I wasn't sneaking drugs. Somehow or other, I, I heard about this treatment and I'd also, before I'd heard about this, I'd heard about many people in the programs that I, that I, the 12 step programs that I go to. Oh, I went to this retreat and I tried ayahuasca and, and I was very judgy, you know? And a lot of these people had relapsed, but they were often doing their own thing, you know? And when this was suggested to me by my pharmacist, uh, doctor was on board, my, my sponsor and the program was on board. You know, when it was suggested to me, I was still very like, maybe for you, but not for me. I don't, I don't know, you know, but so I was hesitant. I was very hesitant because I was doing a drug, but then I've been doing drugs first for my psych health. Yeah, pharmaceuticals. Yeah. So I'm like, you know what? I was at the point again, after 12 years sober, where I was finding myself suicidal and I was like, I'm just going to try it. I'm going to try it. And maybe I'll tell one or two people, but I'm I'm not really going to get really, you know, I didn't really want to talk about it because there's so much shame for people in the program 
you know, I know people that don't even take aspirin. They feel that, you know, you know, they don't take anything to alter their mind or mood. And I got sober to be happy, not to suffer. So this, I realized, you know, I, I, I did so much research and, and I spoke to you guys at the clinic who were so wonderful. Like you guided me through the process and you made me understand that this was a medical procedure. It wasn't like I was out in a club doing ketamine, you know, and, and exactly. this was, this is a medical procedure. And from what I understand, non-addictive in liquid form when you do it like this. So, um, I was like, I'll, I'll give it a shot. I was scared of the hallucinogenic effects. I'm like, oh my God, what if it's like a bad trip? And then you guys explained to me there's no such thing as a bad trip. It's all part of what you need to process. Maybe you still need to do some work. Yes, yes, definitely. Yeah, I remember um, your first uh, few appointments that there was definitely this fear and and really you overcoming the stigma of using a drug, right? And luckily, in a way, ketamine is still considered a pharmaceutical and it's as an infusion, like I use it for anesthesia all the time. You know, 100% of my patients receive ketamine if if I have it, you know, to be able to administer it with it. It's such a, an amazing, um, you know, ph- pharmaceutical for anesthesia, but also in the mental health and very low dose. You know, it is non-addicting, but I do want to clarify with our listeners that if you have an addictive personality, if you have access to it, orally at home or intranasally, because there's so many different routes of it receiving um, ketamine that it can be addictive for those that already are addicted. It's just another, you know, source for them if they have the easy access to it, which is why, you know, it's difficult for us and we haven't done at home ketamine or prescribed at home for the lozenges and the at home intranasal um, because of that risk, you know, and just the healing powers of having the higher dose that you've experienced in all of our other patients, it does give, you know, peace of mind knowing that, you know, I know Bonnie, you hate <laughs> after effects, right? You don't like the way you feel afterwards. It's not necessarily a pleasant experience. You know, you're waking up somewhat from a, uh, uh, anesthetic, just kind of feeling a little sleepy and groggy and low energy, but the healing aspects during the infusion, the experience that you experience, the healing that you have, the anti-inflammatory, the rebalancing of the neurotransmitters, those are things that you do get, you know, but for you, you just are looking for really the outcome, you know, and I'm so happy that you overcame that that label that all drugs are bad because they can be very healing, you know, and psychedelics can be very healing if done appropriately. Yes, and I found that ketamine i don't know about other psychedelics i can tell you that this has done for me what other drugs never were able to do for me my mind it has opened doors in my mind that i never places that i never thought that i could get to i i just see things differently i couldn't i might have known things but i couldn't get it i just couldn't get it and suddenly things became clear and it has been so healing for me. And and 12 years sober, I still pretty much had on and off a raging eating disorder. And I will say that since these, you know, since I did these infusions, it's so at bay that it's not even, like I, I was in the store today and I saw candy corn, you know, and that used to, I used to eat it and, and literally pass out of my bed and wake up with candy corn all over the bed. <laughs> now I was like, Ooh, yeah, no, I don't think so. Like it doesn't even call my name anymore. Does something changed in my brain? And what changed? And you know, you were talking about doing the ketamine and doing the lozenges and doing it all at home. I can't imagine. I could see where maybe that would be a problem. You know, I for me, you know, I I believe that a lot of addicts isolation is is a big thing. So to do this at home alone, I, I don't know where I'd be. You know. To be able to go to a clinic and to have loving people walk me through it and process what I saw in these infusions, that's what's healing me. You know? Yeah. The 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 kindness that you that and, and the processing and the integration and figuring out what it was that I saw, but left to my own devices and doing that, I'd be like, oh my God, what the hell just happened? And then then I'm stuck in my own head. I have the luxury of going 
to a clinic and talking to you guys who are getting to know me very well. And I see why that candy corn used to scream my name. I understand why. And with all the, the treatments and the therapy and the, and the medications, I never get there. But somehow or other doors, you know, opened in my brain that I'm like, oh, yeah, like I wanted to hurt myself and I don't want to do that anymore. Right. I feel it's so, so difficult. Good. Yeah. With the psychedelics, it allows you to get or at least become aware of your stories. Right. Just knowing and learning to love Bonnie. Right. Learning yes. that from everything that you went through, even reading your book, it was just so eye opening. Like it was it was difficult to like not try to, you know, just know you so closely and be like, oh, there's a story. Oh, there's another story that developed there. You know, like just reading like interactions with different people growing up when you're as a child, like it was just like, oh, this was a story of like not being good enough or this is a story of, you know, um, never finding love or, you know, all these different things of just developing and they carry out throughout life. And doesn't matter how much therapy you have, sometimes it just gets locked inside. Locked. Yeah. So locked. That's what happened. And that's what happened to you. And that's what happens to so many people. You can have the best therapist and sometimes you just need a little bit assistance to just get that ego, get that story just wide open, you know, to be able to work through it. And that's why I tell people that there's no such thing as a bad trip. Obviously, if you're not in the, if you're trying a, a drug that you're not in the right place. Obviously, you may have a bad trip, but having something difficult come out for you, you had difficult infusions. Other patients have difficult infusions, but having the right support, someone there to really integrate it with you and really so you understand it, right? And and you had those beautiful aha breakthrough moments where, you know, had you not had that integration support, it could have gone a really dark path, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, we were there and then we had our integration specialist there just really to really interpret, you know, because who knows what you would have made it mean, right? Right, 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 right. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I've heard many people talk about, and I love that you do the ongoing group, you know, I can go to group every Monday night or is it Monday now? It's Thursday. Thursdays now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And talk with other people that have had the same experience because- not many people that I know have had this experience. So you want to know like, well, what happened to you? And a lot of people talk about the death of the ego. So I remember that, I think it was the second or the third infusion that I was like, I felt like I was, now I was, remind you, before I came for these infusions, I was suicidal and I, I wanted, I didn't want to live. I just didn't want to live, but yet I didn't want to kill myself. Like in the back of my mind, I knew there was hope, but I, I was, Anyway, so I, I felt like I was stuck like in this look. And um, I remember, who I don't remember who it was, but they looked at me and they were like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, shaking their head. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, yeah, it happened. So you had the death of the ego. Like I felt like I was dying. I wasn't sure my dad or my life. And ever since that, the whole obsession with my my outward appearance, which has just haunted me my entire life, it it's pretty like in the back of my mind. It's every now and then it comes out a little bit, but it was the death of the ego because it's all about the ego, and yeah, it happened. And so suddenly, like I don't have to be so concerned about my outside appearance, and I realize that I'm so much more than the outside stuff. How I didn't get this in all these years of therapy and recovery, I don't know. But somehow or other, this took me there. And I am a huge advocate for this. And I, I don't know for anybody else, but I know for me it worked. And I would I, I would recommend it for someone that, have, that has had issues that they have not been able to resolve if they have the guidance like, like I have had with you. Right. Yeah. And that's the most important part is having that integration, you know, in any essence, in any, you know, psychedelic experience, it's having somebody to, to discuss and work through because sometimes it doesn't make sense, right? It doesn't make sense what you see or feel. And without that guidance, 
And had you not had that ego death yet to really feel like, oh, my image doesn't matter. It's who I am on the inside. You know, having all those had it been pre that experience, who knows where it would have taken you, you know, to have that ability to really interpret it. So what was amazing, and I I will never forget it, is we really, really talked before the first infusion. And I was afraid I'm going to be nauseous. And I was afraid that, you know, something bad was going to happen. And you kind of heard my story and you really listened. I went under and I, I, I remember seeing myself climbing these steps and I was dressed like a superhero. And I and, and we talked about the inner child stuff before I went under. And I remember hold, walk, climbing up like the steps of Rocky and holding my hand back. And I didn't really realize at all what it was, but I just came out and I'm like, I'm a superhero. I felt like a superhero. And you said to me, you said, that was you. You can do anything. You were holding that little child. So every time that little child gets scared and says, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't do this. You know that you can do that. You see that now, Bonnie. And you help me to process that. And ever since, I do not hear that voice that has haunted me my whole life. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. I don't hear it. that. Because I saw myself as that superhero knowing that I can do anything. And it just stayed with me. It's kind of miraculous when you think about it. And on your first infusion, it's very rare. I remember, like, because most people don't really see much on their first infusion. It's just a nice meditative experience. But you had something transformational on day one. You are a unicorn. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and, and each each one was pretty much there was there was been epiphanies. So, and then the work that we do together as well. Like, I will say that for the first time in my life, ever, 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 I don't look at the outside and say, oh, I look great, I feel great. You know, no, I am. I love me. I accept me for who I am, where I am today. And that's so important. I love that. I love that for you. Yay. Now the book matches. Love, Bonnie. Yeah, and I was I was actually just asked to write um, if I wanted to do a collaborative book, and I'm doing that. And the name of that book is um, "Awaken Your Magic," and I'm writing a chapter, and I actually am writing about this experience because that's how profound it has been. So that's what my chapter is about: how this has changed my life. And enabled me to love myself. Ah, Yes, that is amazing. Once you were finally able to, you know, because when we look at the mind, you know, our minds are so powerful and our minds are there to protect us. Our ego, the stories we tell ourselves, you know, that little Bonnie that you had that I can't, I can't, I can't, you know, it was, it's there to somewhat protect us, but you know, I can't, I can't, I can't. That's not beneficial for you. You don't need to be told that you can't, you know, from your little, little Bonnie, you know, and that's what everyone everywhere is, I guess I don't say necessarily suffering, but suffering, you know, our minds are so powerful. What we say is, and our words, what, whatever we can do or can't do, we're correct. We're right. Whatever we say, it is, you know, and just being able to use that psychedelic you know, ketamine or any other psychedelic to be able to realize our stories and to let them go. The freedom, I mean, imagine you don't go through that every day that you can't. You don't go through that inner battle. And there wasn't a day that I didn't go through that, whether it be I can't go out and walk the dog. I can't because people are looking at me like the paranoia and the craziness and that, you know, or I can't do this or I can't it, it doesn't happen anymore it's yeah, yeah. that's pretty awesome. wild mm-hmm. yeah because I remember in the very beginning you suffered a lot yeah and like you've told me and many people say it it opens new neuropathways in your brain right so yes. you know I will I, I think that um someone recently Pete Davidson is that who it was was like saying that he was in rehab again because he was abusing ketamine and I kind of feel like a little judgy because I'm like is he now telling like the world that oh he was abusing ketamine you know well 
he was doing it every day. He was doing it every day. And he said, I love the effect. So then people like in my community, in my recovery community, maybe they're going to hear that. And it doesn't really matter what other people think. I, I That's another epiphany that I had. Yeah. <laughs> but 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 I do feel kind of defensive of the of this because it, it is so helpful to so many people. And then then more people like might hear that and think, oh, it's just yet another drug. You know, people think that they're, you know, and it's, yeah, if you abuse it, if you abuse it, but I can't imagine coming to you and saying, I want to do this every day. And you saying, oh yeah, I'm on board with that. Right. Have a good time. Right. Yeah. You know, here's the needle, go inject it yourself. So it's it's not like that. You know, if you're yeah. doing it in a in a medically supervised situation, I don't I don't see that happening. Right. And I think I think over in California there's a big problem with the ketamine, the nasal ketamine, and then in the Asian I think in Eastern Asia, the Philippines, they have a big issue with ketamine, you know, and then in internasal route, you know, it's very easily accessible and then you're, it's just a very rapid. And so there is a lot of abuse of that. Um, and it's sad because it's such so therapeutic and it's very healing. And, you know, even now the FDA came out with this warning about, you know, compounded ketamine. And it's more because of the the oral, the lozenges, the intranasal, because people are abusing it. But then you also have all these people that their lives have been saved, these chronic pain patients, you know, where they they go and have these four-hour infusions 10 days in a row just to be able to, you know, survive their pain. And these lozenges keep their pain at bay a little bit longer. So they're not, you know, the cost of ketamine is outrageous because insurance isn't covering it yet, you know. And so to go for IV infusion treatment being monitored at such high dose, it does require, you know, a high cost because you are being monitored by, you know, professionals. And so sadly, you know, the lozenges are, well, not sadly because they are life-saving for people, but it's sad that other people are then abusing it and creating that bad name, creating that stigma. And I think that's where we're at even now. We've had where we've tried to reach out to different you know, treatment centers for outpatient, just for assistance, you know, because there's a, especially with addiction, there's a mental health aspect, right? I think even you, you know, going through in recovery, it was a coping mechanism for you, right? Like very, from very young, it was something that you used to, I guess, calm your anxiety, calm your stories, whatever it is that you were suffering from. And that's where a lot of people use it, um, or get into addiction for, among many other reasons. Yeah. Um, but sadly, in the recovery space, they don't want to touch it, you know, right. because of that stigma. And it can heal. Like, and it's, it has been so healing for me. And that's, that's, that's why I feel no shame anymore that I've done this, you know, because I've done it medically supervised. I know that I'm not abusing it. I know that I'm doing this so I can feel so I can feel better and live a more productive life and be of help to other people in the world. Because, you know, without this, who knows if I would have relapsed, maybe, you know, no one's, no one's safe. You know, it doesn't matter how many years you have, you know, you get in so much pain and you start thinking crazy thoughts. You can pick up a drink or a drug to calm the crazy. And I didn't want to go that way. I was like, I'm going to do this and take care of myself and and commit to these, you know, the six initial infusions. And and it made such a difference. And I know so many people with 10, 20 years, some with 30 years of recovery plus that are suffering from major issues, but yet they're very close minded about doing this. And that's that's fine if that's what they want to do. But man. There's a solution. You know, I know one thing I've been taught in recovery is that there's always a solution. And for me, this has been an incredible solution. Yes, it definitely has been for you. And so many, there's so many people. I know you've been in recovery for, you know, 12 years. Then we have, you know, I have other patients that are recently in recovery. So it helps, you know, when you're, like I was saying before, with the mental health, you're suffering and you're using it to numb the suffering right? Mm -hmm. or help with anxiety so you can socialize or whatever it is that starts, you know, the addiction process. So when you're in recovery, it all comes back. So there's so much to, to work through. And sometimes it's difficult 
exactly like you said, you just never got to that depth that you needed to heal, to really heal from those stories. And if those stories are still there, subconsciously, how do you how do you work through them? How do you release them? If you keep hitting that wall, and that's where psychedelics come in. You know, there's, and I always tell everyone at every conference, because everyone seems to think that there's this battle between clinics and at home and retreats and all this. And it's, there's enough, there's so many people suffering. There's enough for everyone to heal. You know, there's places for everyone to go. Like you, Bonnie, wouldn't you never go to uh, to Jamaica or the, the mountains of Peru, hike up a mountain to do ayahuasca? That's not something that you would feel safe and appropriate for you to do, but you would come to a clinic, right? right. You would come to a clinic, be monitored closely. And I, I feel like if really the, the recovery, anyone who's suffering from addiction would understand the medical aspect of it being done clinically, not at home and, you know, with all the talk about, you know, the abuse and all that, if they would do it in a clinical setting, like how you did, and they really understood the process, I think that people wouldn't be so hesitant or fearful of it, right? Yeah. How long did it take you to finally reach out, you know? Yeah. And and they're fearful also of, well, what if I have a really bad experience? I don't want to, but I will tell you something. There's so many layers of recovery and it took me you know, I'm 12 years sober and I was still having such debilitating issues with an eating disorder. And I've gone to food meetings, I've gone to alcohol, I've gone to different, you know, different fellowships. And yet a friend of mine said to me today, she said, I, I've never seen you so well with the food. Like this, this helped you where, where years of recovery didn't, this somehow reach that point so i could see i'm not saying someone and i'm sure that maybe it does work maybe for you know some people that are trying to stop drinking i could see where they would maybe not want to drink because their thought process is change so it's it's not about the drink the drug or the food it's about what's underneath it it's just the issues that are underneath it and i i just couldn't get deep enough and you know We'll see what comes up next. <laughs> right. What's the next layer of the onion? I don't know. But, but for now, I, I feel like I'm I'm really feeling better than I've ever felt. Wow. And it's so beautiful. I'm so happy just seeing your transformation. And I think, you know, that's why it's so rewarding being in this space where we're able to really see the transformation in patients and really see the healing and and actually feeling better from the time you know you first came to us to to see how you are you're like thriving you know and a lot of a lot of people at home that are still still suffering you know it's still possible if ketamine's not your thing in a clinic because some people like to be in nature you know find out and ask resources different things you know and find the correct support right mm-hmm. if you're on certain medications right and that's a i think um you know when you're on certain antidepressants you can't just go out and do any psychedelic that's why i think ketamine is a lot more forgiving in that you are able to still be on antidepressants or any other antipsychotics we may have to hold one or you know adjust dosing but it's not like you could have get harmed for example by doing you know, uh, ayahuasca or psilocybin or MDMA on on different medications. Those things you definitely always have to talk to your doctor about. And a lot of psychiatrists now are becoming educated on the medications and how it reacts, which is, I'm very thankful for, you know, because some people can get harmed. And that's where death ha- has occurred, you know, where people have taken it where they haven't disclosed to a shaman or a different provider. And another great thing is that I'm you know, I never took a lot of medication, but I totally went off one of them, cut another one in half since I've been doing this. Well, since I did it, you know, and mm-hmm. and I'm working with doctors that are familiar with this, with ketamine. Um, I had a great doctor and I, and I adore her for many, many years, but she wasn't really that familiar with the ketamine. So I switched over to a doctor that you guys are affiliated with in your office and um, and it's, it's been, she's been wonderful and, and I, I'm totally off one of the medications. I don't miss it. I'm happy to be off of it. And yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. And we've actually, you know, done some coaching sessions together where there's been times where we're trying to assess, you know, cause 
with ketamine and other medications, sometimes you will need maintenance, Mm -hmm. right? So with maintenance, it's really seeing how you're feeling. There's different protocols where some some clinics you'll, you know, you'll you won't do a booster for three months, but then you'll do two or three infusions back to back. Um, we're pretty flexible. Uh, we kind of work with patients and adjust. Um, I have patients that have to come regularly every four weeks, six week, eight weeks, and beyond. You know, and there was at one point where you were struggling and you actually were thinking, oh my gosh, I might have to do another maintenance effusion, you know, which was something that we can expect may happen in the future, but um, you were very stressed about it. And actually when we were kind of talking through it and actually realizing and going over your struggles, it was really all perceptual, right? What you were saying was stressful. It was like a scheduling thing where you were saying that it's stressful. It's too overwhelming. I can't handle it. Right. Where it was like, oh, my God, I'm going to need a ketamine infusion and all that. And just by talking it out and we actually analyzed your schedule and looking for it, it was almost just your own words creating that stress. Right. And we looked at the schedule and saying that, you know, one one appointment a day. Right. Because it was one appointment a day for that week, but it was more than you had had in the past. But it was still pretty stressful for you. It was like, oh, my God, I can't handle it. And when we talked it out, you realized, no. It's totally fine. It's a perfect schedule. And then all of a sudden the stress went away. So sometimes it is in our minds. That's yeah. Powerful. A lot of the times it is, which is why yeah. it, it really helps because I was thinking, oh my God, I don't want to have to get another infusion. But if I, at this point now, I know that if I need one, I will get one. And that's what I, I love is that you guys are not like, Oh, you had a rough week. Yeah, let's let's give her an infusion. You know, let's just you know. And you're not like that at all. You're like, what's really going on underneath everything? And when I figured it out, I was like, boy, I feel so relieved. You know, but yeah, yeah, that's a great thing. But I am definitely open. If I if I get to the point where I need one, I will do one. I'm not afraid because there's a part of me also, you know being in recovery, thinking, oh my God, what if I get dependent on these infusions? Like if every 15 minutes something happens, I say I need an infusion, but you know, that's not happening. You know, we're, we're working together and the benefit of having a team, you know, or, or a coach like you, (laughs) you know, that helps me see that, you know, it's nothing's that catastrophic, you know, but yeah, I, I I think that sometimes with mental health issues, you can get so overwhelmed and, and that you think that everything is just not okay. And then when you really assess the situation, everything is okay. Like I thought I had so much going on and I really don't. You know, everything's good. You know, I, I did artwork today. I worked really hard yesterday. I didn't, I don't, not everything has to be, nothing's that big of a deal. I've, that's another epiphany that I had. Nothing's that big of a deal. And sometimes I need to be reminded of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's important too. When, um, and even for me, the same thing, I'm super overwhelmed. I'm super stressed out. And then through the uh, ketamine infusion, it's just, oh no, it's, it's all okay. It's all fine. It all just fits in the dots and it's just putting things into perspective. But you know, doing the journaling and writing things out and just even also talking it out, realizing that sometimes what you say and you feel is not always the correct perception, right? The correct interpretation of what's actually happening. And that's why journaling is so very important. And that's why you journal a lot now and having the, you know, your lists and different things, just getting it out of your head, putting it on paper, that in itself is so therapeutic. Because when you actually look at it, and you can look at your calendar and see, you know, one a day or, diff- you know, it's all perceptual as opposed to thinking of every appointment in your mind that it's all hanging here. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. But it's literally one here, one here, one here. And just being able to spread, space it out and just realize that it's not that overwhelming, you know. Yeah. And, and you helped me with that. You helped me with that because I do journal and I can sit and look back and see, oh, this is what I did this week. So maybe it wasn't all that bad. Like, look at all the good things I did. And I catch myself. We were talking about that earlier. I catch myself now. I'm aware. Oh, I'm starting to do this. Okay, I can stop it now. 
it's it's very it's it's magical. Yes. Now you know why the Beatles said it was a magical mystery tour. Yeah, our heads are are very our heads are very magical. Yes, um, very interesting, and I was just I just love how psychedelics can really just make it so simple, right? Our so egos, our stories, they wind up and create these stories that just wind up in our head and create something that really isn't there, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think I tell everybody a lot of times, and it, the first time I heard it, it was actually pretty traumatic for me, but life is empty and meaningless. It's what you actually make it mean. It's what your parents told you what was important what your friends and your teachers and whatever it is, what your life should mean is what you may it mean, right? You can have a beautiful day and one event, you know, a stressful thing occurs and all of a sudden your day has been a horrible day, right? And it's just our interpretations. It's all our words and what we say. And, you know, psychedelics really just release the stories and just create freedom in our minds to be and say whatever you want it to be. And to deter- and interpret like, oh, yeah, this thing happened, but it's okay because I had a most amazing day. Everything else was amazing, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I didn't feel so great yesterday, but you know what? It was a really good day because it might not have been a 10. Maybe it was a 7 or an 8, but you know what? I did all these things that I've been putting off. I accomplished a lot. And yeah, it was a good day. And it was yeah. just a day. Today's another day, and today was a 10. So, yeah, today's been a 10. <laughs> Aw, that's awesome. Yeah, and and when we rate days, you know, some people will tell, because we do a mood monitor at our clinic, so we can see, like, the numbers as they flow. And it's always going to be an up and down, right? It's always up and down. You know, you will have a, an 8-day, a 10-day, but then go around, and it's a 3-day. But that's okay. It happens, you know? It's just you want to make sure that it doesn't stay at three, right? If it consistently three, three, two, two, you know, that's when we want to um, look and seek for help and just outreach. Maybe that's like our thought processes or different things that are happening in our mind. But you're going to have a three and then the next day may be an eight. You know, cycles happen in men and women. You know, it's just not women that go through moods. Men do as well. So it's important to just be aware that it doesn't stay that way. So a lot of times when uh, patients, when you're going through treatment, whether it's ketamine or other psychedelics, you may, you know, oh my gosh, I had a bad day. Oh my God. Oh my God. And so that stress, like, oh my God, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's happening. You know, and then our words start like every interpretation of something, you know, but knowing that life is ups and downs. It's always ups and downs. I remember we talked about this once after an infusion. I've been like a roller coaster my whole life and I, I decided that I'm not anymore. You know, like I was labeled and, you know, borderline bipolar and Mm -hmm. this, that, and the other. And and I don't see myself that way anymore. I see myself as stable. Yeah. And yeah. And and I don't because you say it's true and it's true, you know, and if if things start getting out of hand, I, I believe I have the tools to deal with that and Mental health can be a really scary place. When when you're in a dark place, it can be really scary. But it's it's also the stories we tell ourselves. Yes, 100%. Yes, because you can have, especially, you know, you can have two people have, in the same experience have a completely different experience, right? Like sometimes even with my sister and I will be, you know, talking, speaking about this memory. And I'm just talking about how amazing, wonderful it was. And she's like, what are you talking about? It was the most traumatic. Like, I feel like I have PTSD from it. You know, it's Mm -hmm. all our personal experiences and what we create that meaning to be Mm -hmm. in those experiences. So it's uh, very, very true. Yeah. Very true. Oh, you're doing so amazing. You're doing so amazing. And I forgot to ask you. Oh, yeah. No, I never got to ask you, actually, had you, like, in your previous, you know, when you were, um, before you were in recovery, had you ever done other psychedelics before? I, once, I, I did, um, I ate mushrooms, and 
took quaaludes and smoked weed and did God only knows what else. Okay. So it was quite an experience. But my my drug of choice was not psychedelics. It was mostly like quaaludes and that tells you how old I am or how young I am. <laughs> you know, but um, you know, anything like down, like alcohol to, to relax me. But psychedelics, right. no, I never really got into them. And and it's funny because you know, smoking pot or weed or whatever used to make me hallucinate. And I get so terrified. I never liked it because I it made me shaky wow. and paranoid. Yeah. So it didn't relax. People would say my my ex-husband, he he smoked all the time. And he said it just relaxed him. And for me, it made me psycho. Mm. So no, I never, I never did. So that's why I'm like, who would want to do this? Well, then I do remember coming out of one experience saying, oh, drugs are great. Yes, if they're medically supervised, because I was feeling so good from the from the infusion. Right. But but um, it's not something that I, I, you know, who looks forward to? You can't. It's like getting blood. You wake up in the morning. I don't eat. I'm hungry. I need to get a ride there. I have a great friend that my friend Miguel, he takes me and he picks me up and he's amazing. But it's a medical procedure. You know, you a needle and it's a it's Can't a eat or drink and yeah yeah but you guys make it make it easy you guys make it you know worth worth it because and and the results have just been so incredible i'm so happy yeah no you're doing amazing i am so so blessed to be able to witness your transformation oh, and it's very you. ongoing you know you're still doing the work still you know following through and that's very important, you know, continuing the journaling and you you go to group on Thursdays and just staying with the conversation. That's what helps. And just having that connection. I think everybody that is at home struggling that, you know, isolation, it happens, you know, even with especially with social anxiety and just getting stuck in the home. I have patients that the only time they leave their home is to come to my clinic and then just being able to see that they are able to leave the house and go for walks and in the sun and start doing things that are really going to help them because, you know, the isolation just makes it worse. The isolation just then keeps you more into your head and keeps all the negative thoughts cycling and just ruminating over and over again, you know, and there's no way out of from that space, you know, having that community and connection and you're very involved and you even um, still are doing the 12 steps. You have the meetings and stuff. You guide those. Yeah, and I've always been involved, and I, I've been speaking at a treatment center once a month. I bring in a meeting. I lead a meeting once a month at, at this great treatment center, and and I've sponsored so many people on the program. That's That was the thing for me. It's like, how could I be sober all these years and still have these issues and feel like crazy when I walk into a room? And I have a great support system in the recovery community, but I do believe that some people have deeper, crazy than other people. I mean, I think everybody's got their own brand of crazy, but, and I think people, especially with eating disorders, it's a whole different breed. It's a whole crazier breed than a regular alcoholic or addict. But, um, you know, I found myself feeling just not being, not thinking that they would understand, you know, like, shame all this shame like they say there's there's all this shame about mental health it's it's like they say alcoholism is a disease that tells you you don't have a disease oh i could have another drink mental Mm -hmm. health is a disease there's not really anything wrong with me but yet there is there's something seriously wrong with you and some people just don't get that because maybe they're not that degree of crazy and they just don't understand it so to find a community of people that understand what, what crazy can be like and to know that there's a solution for that crazy. You know, I was hoping that I could get it just in 12 steps. You know, why are, you know, what's wrong with me? I'm doing the work. I'm, I'm helping other people. I'm praying, I'm meditating, but yet why am I still so crazy? Well, because there were those doors in my brain that couldn't open. I, and I've done I did seven rounds of electroconvulsive shock therapy, which was a nightmare. Wow. I 
was like a stroke victim when I finished that. I didn't even know who the president of the United States was. It really messed me up for a while. And this has been the only thing that seems to have worked. So, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, there's a lot of things like you can be in recovery and you can be clean and off of meds and all that, but the things that you were struggling with, the things, the stories, everything that, you know, especially for those that maybe did things that they regret while they were, you know, using, those things are there all out in the open when you're clean. And how do you cope with that? The mental health aspect is so important in recovery, you know, and being able to just break through those barriers. Imagine, you know, I mean, you went through it. You were sober for 12 years before you came to see us. Right. And so that's how many years that you were still suffering, you know, all those ups and downs. And I didn't have secrets. I shared, you know, like you do like a fourth step and, you know, you, you tell everything and I told everything, but it's still somehow or other, it, it, it didn't, wasn't able to fully heal me. Right. Because you still needed to heal the stories. You know, I think a lot of people don't realize. Really, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't get to the underlying thing. And I, you know, I always knew, well, I, you don't really like yourself, but I could never really break those walls and get to the point where I would like myself. Like, what is it that is causing you to do this? And I never could get there. But somehow or other, the this psychedelic aspect of the ketamine, plus the work that I'm doing with you, has gotten me to understand why I kept hurting myself. Yeah. Yeah. And once you got to the root cause and now you have it. And and I always tell everyone, like you always have, once you have the awareness, it's not always a hundred percent. Hey, you might grab those candy corns one day, <laughs> you know, out of instinct, right? But the awareness where you love yourself and that you're healthy and you don't need the sugar, right? it, boom, you were able to make that choice. No, I don't need it. I don't need that monster drink that I remember you used to drink all the time. <laughs> oh, I don't need this. You know, you have that choice now where before it wasn't even a discussion. There was no awareness. It was subconscious. You were grabbing that sugar subconsciously. It was never a choice. And when you have that awareness in the beginning, it may be a millisecond, right? Where you get to decide, oh, I'm going to grab that candy or drink or whatever it is that, you know, is your vice. But then there's that time where you have that space. Now you have two milliseconds. Now you have 30 seconds. And now you actually have that choice. Right. It was like a hypnotic, just like a robotic, like nothing. I could hear nothing, see nothing. I would just, I had to have it like any addiction, you know? And suddenly now it's like, well, there's no time for that. I've got to wake up and do my exercises, my I love you exercises in the mirror and you know, no, there's no time for that. You know, now I really have to think. Now I'm aware of what I'm doing. Yes. And that's the most powerful thing that anyone can have is awareness and really being, there's knowing and then there's awareness and really knowing and feeling it at your core. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Yeah, because you knew all the time. Like everyone knows what sh- yes. you should feel and you should say and you should do. But to actually feel it and know it in your being, that's where psychedelics can really open that door and really give you that power, you know, and you've and then you have it, Bonnie, you did it and you are doing it continually, you know, because it is an everyday thing, right? You're going to have ups and downs and that's okay. It's a journey. It is a journey. Yeah, you know what I find so interesting. I'm listening to that music that you recommend. You know the the five, the the five twenty eight hertz. Yes. So I, whenever I go to YouTube and I listen, I notice that the pictures they have in the background, they're all like houses made of mushrooms, and it's not really. (laughs) I never noticed that. I wonder if that's a coincidence or what. And interesting, a lot of psychedelic type stuff. You know. Yeah. There's, there's yeah, a that's a love there. love frequency, the the universal love frequency, the solfeggio frequencies. Five twenty eight is like the universal solvent of love and peace. 
So it's working. I love you, Sonia. You're amazing. You're amazing. Oh, thank Helped you. so much. And everyone at, at your clinic, I mean, I know this isn't about your clinic. It's a great oh. place to go. So if anybody wants a place to go, go there. Oh, thank <laughs> you. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, you drive far. So I do feel the love every time you come. I'm like, oh. <laughs> so, yeah, I really appreciate that. Uh, you know, having you and just seeing your transformation and you doing the work, you know, because that's what is required is to do the work. You can't just go in and get ketamine infusions and then go home and not do the journaling and speak with our integration specialists and integrate and work through actually what you're experiencing in life. And, you know, doing that, which you have done, that's why you're doing so amazing. And I've done the work though. And, and, you know, I've done the work in other programs, but somehow or other and i'm not saying they didn't help me the work didn't help me but i just couldn't get to where i've gotten now so it 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 opened that extra door of of love the love frequency the self-love frequency self-love yes the most important frequency is self-love yes 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 awesome well thank you so much bonnie for coming on and sharing your personal story and getting vulnerable and just opening up because I know that's been a, it was difficult for you. I, I remember at the beginning, you didn't want anybody to know. Yeah. So. <laughs> about, about yeah. this part. The yeah. ketamine. Yeah. About the ketamine. Now I'm not a city. I'm not a yeah. city at all. Yeah. Tell the world. Tell the world. Tell the world. Yeah. Go viral. Yeah. Go viral. No, I love, I love the, um, the quote by Rick Doblin, zero trauma, net zero trauma. You can't prevent trauma, but you can, heal it and that's what we are doing with psychedelics so thank you You, so much you care thank you for having me oh you have a beautiful evening and i look forward to seeing you next time yes thank you thank you everyone for joining us at this week's dose of psychedelic healing have a beautiful night